Welcome to Lake Mount Worship Center, connecting you to the life-changing presence of Jesus Christ. We hope that you are blessed and inspired by today's message. I don't know if you know this, but there are some, um, I don't know how to put this delicately, dumb laws that are on the books uh, in Canada. If you look them up, some of them, I just wanted to give you a couple of these. Uh, In Alberta, it's illegal to paint a wooden ladder. Yeah, I know. I don't get it. Like just some over overzealous bylaw officers like, let's make that illegal. It's illegal in PEI to build big snowmen. <laughs> like you can build snowmen, just not big ones. I, I don't know how they measure what happens. Someone got pinned underneath a snowman one day. <laughs> this one's a weird one. It's illegal to play a musical instrument in a park in Ontario. I didn't know I was such a rebel. Okay. It's illegal to walk around with a snake in public in New Brunswick. Okay. It's illegal all across Canada. This one, just in case you're wondering, it's illegal to challenge someone to a duel. Okay. I guess we haven't updated these in a while. Here's a good one that's Canada-wide. It's illegal... To frighten the queen. Um, may she rest in peace. I guess they have to update that. <laughs> I hope that's not what... Never, anyways. Um, it, it's illegal Canada-wide to pay with change. No one told the lady in front of me at Superstore. Amen? <laughs> right? Hold on a sec. I have a coupon and three nickels. Okay. So... <laughs> If you've ever read the book of Leviticus, there's a lot of laws in the Old Testament, and uh, none of them were dumb. Okay, there's a lot of detailed and varied laws in the Old Testament. Some of them, you know, they're not dumb. They're, they're, they're God's heart for God's people living in community at that time. But some of them were difficult to understand, and is often the case when something's difficult to understand. Uh, human nature offers, you know, we kind of kick in and start offering our own interpretations and explanations. The intention to bring clarity, but usually what happens when we start expanding on our clarifications, not only do we bring clarity, but we bring a heightened level of control uh, to, to people. These clarifications, these additions to the law are where the religious spirit thrives. In Leviticus, there's many laws that are outlined. The Ten Commandments kind of being the omnibus envelope of, of, you know, guiding human behavior to live in such a way that would please God. And then there's several other laws in the book of Leviticus. If I haven't whet your appetite already, you might want to jump into the book of Leviticus. There's several other laws having to do with the health and welfare of the broader community. These are laws that God gave. And in Leviticus 13 and 14, there were a bunch of rules and laws that were outlined for the quarantine of different types of uh, disease. And then in particular, by the time you get to chapter 13 and 14, uh, you know, some kind of quarantine isolation mandates around skin diseases that could potentially put the entire community at risk. And the greatest concern topping that list of skin diseases was leprosy. 
And in, in that Old Testament era, they had no means of, uh, you know, blood test or vi- virology. They just simply had the powers of observation. So they would just, you know, look at someone's wound or a festering sore and, and you know, tell them to quarantine for a bit and look for certain, you know, if the, it would go white around the edges or whatever. And they had all this stuff that, you know, because God cares about the details. And, uh, you know, kind of a quandary in there too. Like, you know, God could just prevent it all, but instead he gave wisdom to the people of how to navigate these kinds of things together. Leviticus chapter 13, verse 45 and 46, I'll read it for you. It says that the person with such an infectious disease must wear torn clothes, which is actually pretty popular nowadays. That's actually where the, you know, we call that the leper look. They got to wear torn clothes. His hair be unkempt, also very popular. He's got to cover the lower part of his face, wear a mask and cry out, unclean, unclean. And as long as he has this infection, he remains unclean. And he must live alone. He must live outside the camp. That's, that's quite a fate. Can you imagine the poor guy who just like had a rash? That's what I always think when I read this. Like they don't, they don't have virology, right? So it's just like some guy's got a rash. He's like, honestly, I'm just allergic to sell, shellfish. You know, it's like, yeah, right, Derek, you have leprosy, right? <laughs> so the lepers are supposed to be outside the camp. They're supposed to yell unclean at the top of their lungs. They could, you know, be left to die alone, or they could build a colony of people who were in a similar situation as theirs. And so by the time we get around to the New Testament, you know, you notice when you read the Old Testament, there are no Pharisees. They kind of came along um, in that gap between Malachi and Matthew, uh, you know, that 400-year gap of silence they came along and just, you know, someone brought a pen, right? And they just, the Pharisees took of the, you know, 613 laws in the Torah, including all of these, you know, instructions, the Ten Commandments, chief among them, and then these kind of regulations for interpersonal health and communication. The Pharisees came along and they added a lot of what we would call like fence laws. That is, they, they started to add boundary to the boundary. They started to add more distance and more uh, controls. And so they wanted to expand on these things. And by the time we get to the New Testament, people were not only afraid of catching a disease if someone had an open uh, skin lesion or had leprosy, not only were they afraid of catching that disease, but they had also developed uh, a well-developed superstition. Now some some people were superstitious, others were justitious. Sorry, I just wanted to say that. I've heard that joke before. Anyways, some were superstitious, and they get it superstitious, and then just regular stitch. Anyways, so they developed this superstition that that all diseases like that were actually a judgment from God. And the superstition made it so that the way that they viewed someone who was had leprosy, not only were they sick and contagious, but God made them that way. And so your avoidance was an act of spiritual piety and holiness. It was actually good of you 
to, you know, one of the rules that the fence laws that the Pharisees had added to the Old Testament instruction that we just read was that you could actually pick up a rock and throw it at them if they got too close, which is, again, just because God's judging them, why not join in with God's judgment and add to the cruelty, add to the isolation. And so on top of that, in the Old Testament, priests were instructed to remain ceremonially clean as much as possible. And so in the New Testament, you have these Pharisees who have added all of these fence laws. And so they, they need to say, stay ceremonially clean. And then they also have added all these additions. So, I mean, this just made them a lot of fun. Pharisees, I don't know, when you read, the, they just seem like a really fun group of people. They're kind of like a mom who wants to swim with the kids but doesn't want to get her hair wet. You know what I mean? You know what I mean? Like the mom who's like, kids, stop splashing. You know, and she comes in and does her little doggy paddle. Don't, 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 don't get my hair wet. Okay, so kids are just trying to have fun. And mom's like, stop splashing. And pretty soon if you're like me, all you want to do is splash mom and just hope for the best, right? So these, these Pharisees are just, you know, they, they, they're just... They're like the world's librarians. You know, they're just walk, walking around shushing everybody. Just, you know, got a pad and a paper and just walking around. Ah, excuse me, that was one too many steps on a Sabbath, so sit down. And they're just super legalistic. So here we have this kind of tension. The lepers are supposed to remain outside the community. They're not supposed to be even seen by anybody. And if you happen to see them, throw a rock and make them yell unclean. And the Bible teachers, the rabbis and the Pharisees, these Bible teachers were supposed to avoid them at all costs. So to have leprosy is as much a spiritual and soul condition as it is a physical one. Because you're relationally cut off and you're limited. The people that you can hang out with are people that are in a condition such as yours. It's, it, it's, it's a community waiting to die. That, that's, that's depressing. And then people with any kind of God connection have enlisted the forces of the people to just be superstitious and they have spiritualized their contempt for you. Their fear of disease has been spiritualized that they will throw rocks at you and avoid you at all costs. Go with me now in your Bibles to Mark chapter one. Gospel of Mark chapter one with that kind of context in our minds. I want us to take a look at verse 40. We're going to just read verse 40 to 42 at first. A couple verses after that in a few moments. Mark 1 verse 40 says, A man with leprosy came to him, that's Jesus, and he begged him on his knees, If you are willing, you can make me clean. Filled with compassion, Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, he said, be clean. And immediately, everybody say immediately. Immediately, the leprosy left him and he was cured. Now these stories need to be painted in your mind in order to appreciate them. You, you need to actually visualize what's happening. Otherwise, you're just skipping through reading and moving on to the next verse to get your daily quota in. But if you... <laughs> Sorry, I said that out loud. But if you, if you take time with the word, 
There's something that's being described here that is stunning. A physical medical impossibility was just reversed at the touch of Jesus. The Bible says that when Jesus touched him, and I had you repeat the word, immediately this man was cleansed. That means that if you were standing there, you could have watched it happen. And so you you have to picture that. Open, festering, oozing wounds. That is is the, the, the body just literally falling apart. And this, this man comes and falls on his knees before Jesus. And he, he begs Jesus. He says, if you're willing, you could make me clean. And Jesus, moved with compassion, touches him. And what you can see happen, like it would, it would look like a CGI effect if you were watching a, you know, a Marvel movie or something. He just touches him. And immediately, the skin becomes cleansed. The sores close. Other, vers- other accounts tell us that his skin was made fresh like a baby's skin. So he goes from literally falling apart and oozing and contagious to made brand new. Right before your eyes. That's impressive. That's, that, that's amazing. And so there's this interesting exchange. Before the miracle, there's a conversation. And this leper, he comes and and, and he falls on his knees and there's this tone in his words. There's, there's the, the vocabulary that he uses, the posture that he takes. It's, it's desperate and it is somewhat diminished. He has a, a diminished sense of worth. And, and while kneeling before the Lord is worshipful, the vocabulary sounds like it's, it's, it's part worshipful and part inquisitive, fearful, uncertain, falls on his knees before Jesus and asks him, Lord, if you're willing, or if, if you're willing, you could make me clean. I mean, it, it, on the one hand, it's humble. On the other hand, it's kind of offensive. What do I mean? I'm, I mean, it's, it's like he's saying, Lord, I know you're able. I'm just not sure if you're willing to help me. I don't know about you, but if someone needed my help and they were sure I could help them, but they weren't sure that I would want to, you would, you would do better to question Jesus' ability than to question his desire, his willingness. Lord, if you're, if you're willing. I, I, I've heard you do miracles all the time. Like, like the testimony had obviously reached this guy's ears. He didn't just, you know, walk up to a random stranger. He knew who Jesus was. He had heard what Jesus could do and what Jesus was doing in real time. But something inside of him was diminished in his own sense of value. Could it be that the cultural imperative of being separated from everybody and being seen as a social pariah, unallowed to get near his own family and friends, building a community of sickness, could it be when people are throwing rocks at him? Could it be when he's got to cover his mouth and yell, unclean, unclean? Could it be that that was more than external action? It became internalized belief. And so he approaches Jesus, with an uncertainty of Jesus' desire to touch him. He had disappointment in his life. 
which the Bible says is a heart sickness. Disappointment in his life experience. And the Bible tells us, as we've just read it, that not only we know theologically that Jesus is filled with power, that, that Jesus is filled with, with supernatural ability, but our text here says that Jesus is filled with compassion. Filled, verse 41, filled. In your Bible, circle that word, filled with compassion. Like it's not as though this guy got the last drop of Jesus' good mood or compassion or willingness. Jesus was literally overflowing with compassion towards this man in his need. This one that everyone else aimed to avoid. The word compassion in the originally, in the original Greek, it literally means to be moved in his guts. What does that mean? Well, when the kids were little, we used to, we used to, every Sunday night, we used to watch America's Funniest Home Videos. Anybody ever watch? Now there's entire Instagram accounts that have kind of taken up that space. But it's, it's basically, you know, it's like if you picture in your minds, I picture somebody standing on a, on a four foot post, you know, and it's, it's just maybe six inches around and they're standing on that post and they want to do a backflip and land on that post. And they, get the flip going and then they don't quite stick the landing. Instead, they run their shins down the front of that post and then smack their kneecaps, hit their chin and fall on the ground. That feeling, that's moved in your guts. Do you know when you watch that and you're oh, like, what's wrong with me? I'm just watching. But you you're, oh, you feel it. Some people are worse than others, right? My dad would always like pull his shirt up around. He's like, oh, girl, oh. He wouldn't stop looking and just be like one eye. Just, oh. Yeah. You know, people who have an empathetic response like that to, to blood. Oh, they just pass out. Oh. Pick it on my family today. My sister can't get a needle. She's just like, oh. Right? It's just, it's, it's some people, that, the empathetic response, they see injury. So you picture someone getting injured and you feel it in your guts. Right? You, you feel it. Right here, just kind of, ugh. That feeling is what the Bible is describing. That's how Jesus felt when this leper came. This leper comes and falls on his knees before Jesus, and Jesus is moved in his guts. Oh, like he could feel it. See, that when, you, when you watch America's Funniest Home Videos, you watch a reel of somebody getting injured, and ugh, you respond like that. What's happening? You're having an empathetic, sympathetic, response of of feeling what it would be like to be that guy of dragging your shins down that post oh you're you're feeling it for yourself just for a moment as you view it but jesus is a level up from sympathy because see sympathy is just at a soul level but compassion is spiritual compassion's in the spirit compassion is jesus isn't just he's just he's not just like oh, i feel bad for this guy it's like he could feel what it was like to be that guy and in his spirit he's filled and that filling moves him to action jesus didn't just say to the man the man asked him a question lord if you're willing you could make me clean jesus didn't just say I'm willing and be clean, which elsewhere in the New Testament, Jesus did that often. He could just speak a word of healing and it would happen. 
You know, there's a story of a centurion who had a sick servant and Jesus was on his way there. And the centurion sends a messenger. It's like, I'm not even worthy to have you come to my house. Just say the word. And Jesus hits pause and goes, this guy's faith is off the charts. Your servant is healed. And just from saying that, they, they timed it. Jesus said that at quarter after one. And when they got home, when did this guy feel better? Quarter after one. Jesus said it and the man was healed. Jesus had the authority and the power and the ability to heal with a word. But what did he do? He moved another level and he didn't just say it. He touched a leper. And it took a little time to just describe to you, you know, the, the, the Pharisees, you know, the moms who don't want to get their hair wet. They're just like, did he just, did he just touch a Pharisee or touch a leper? Imagine the, imagine the Pharisee. <laughs> I don't know what you're laughing about. But... Imagine. Imagine the Pharisees' pool party, you know, they're just like, kids are one at a time just able to put their toes in the pool and have a kale salad. <laughs> you know, the health nut mom just like, yeah, you, you guys can have quinoa after you have some kale. <laughs> it's like, mom, do I have to go to Derek's party, right? And one at a time, they're just putting their toes in the pool and mom's just in the corner, don't splash! And then they look over at the next pool and someone cannonballs right next to a rabbi. Here we go. And instead of Jesus losing it and getting upset, he splashes back. He laughs and plays. Lepers can't touch a rabbi. Rabbis can't touch Lepers, priests and rabbis are supposed to stay away from the lepers so that they don't get contaminated. Here Jesus willingly touches the contaminated man. Didn't have to. Why did he? At least in part because the man's affliction wasn't only physical. Anyone who's been on a journey of physical, on a significant journey, of physical healing and, 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 and battling through something knows that the bigger part of the battle is not the physical symptom. It's the soul. It's the emotional. It's trudging through the words. It's trudging through what they say, the experts, the questions. Seems that often the experts throw out the worst case scenario just like they're just talking about their morning. Yeah, well, you know, could, could, be, uh, could be a cold. You might be dead in a week. I don't know. Uh, you know, we'll just... Come back on, on Tuesday and we'll give it a chance. Like, Did you say I could die? Yeah, yeah it's possible. <laughs> and then you go for your checkup and they're like, yeah, it turns out it was the sniffles. <laughs> sniffles? I didn't sleep all weekend. Yeah, yeah that, that could kill you. Oh, thanks a lot. <laughs> Anyone who's been through that physical battle of illness knows at a spiritual level, you're grappling with your view of God. Why is this happening? You're grappling at an emotional level of how do I, how do I prepare myself? How do I, how do I have right relationship? This poor guy is cut off from his family and friends. There, there's, there's distance between them that's mandated. He's got 
an emotional, spiritual affliction as much as he has a physical one. And Jesus willingly touches the contaminated man. And he's in a moment physically made completely clean. The leprosy is just gone. It's like it just evaporates. It's like, a, it's like hit and rewind. Everything just was gone. He's back. And now there's this miracle in front of Jesus' eyes and the watching crowd. And so let's, let's go back to the text. Verse 43 of Mark chapter 1. Jesus sent him away at once with a strong warning. See that you don't tell anyone. <laughs> okay. See to it that you don't tell this to anyone. But go and show yourself to the priests and offer the sacrifices that Moses commanded for your cleansing as a testimony to them. Verse 45, instead, everybody say instead. instead. This guy wasn't a good listener. Instead, he went out and began to talk freely, spreading the news. As a result, Jesus could no longer enter a town openly, but stayed outside in lonely places. And yet the people still came to him from everywhere. Okay. So I read to you at the beginning of the, the rules around leprosy in the book of Leviticus. And so there's all these rules of how this guy has to live while he's contaminated. There's a whole bunch of rules of how he needs to make entrance. And Jesus references them. Jesus is referencing Leviticus 13 and Leviticus 14. He's talking about what this guy needs to do to make his re-entrance into the community. He's talking about how he needs to go and talk to the, uh, the, the priests and show them his cleansing. According to Leviticus 14, this is what this guy was supposed to do. He was supposed to go and shave his head, shave his beard, shave his eyebrows. That's a good look, hey? You know, you're of a certain vintage when you go to the barber and they're giving you a haircut. And they're like, would you like me to trim your brows? Really? Has it come to this? This guy, he's told, now in the book of Leviticus, you need to go shave your head, shave your beard, shave your eyebrows. Then you need to go wash your clothes, ceremonial, ceremonially, that's a tough word to say fast, ceremonially bathe, and then live outside the city for seven days. This is what Jesus is telling him to do. And then on the eighth day, you need to bring two male lambs, one ewe uh, lamb, that's a year old, each without defect, and then bring some fine flour and some oil for a grain offering and some olive oil and just, just bring all of that. Just So just, hey, I'm so glad you're cleansed. Here's what you need to do. Go shave your entire, from the neck up, just pull out a razor. And then go live outside the camp for another seven days. Then take a bath, wash your clothes, and get some animals together and some oil and flour and come on and see the priest. This guy was instructed. That's what he was told by Jesus to go and do. And instead, he opts for, he opts for door number one. He's just like, I could, or I could, I think what I hear you say is skip all that and just run around and tell everybody. And he's so enthused and so excited 
about his miracle. Obviously, I don't know how long this guy was sick, but any amount of time being in, in leprosy, it's a, it's a death sentence that's just taking root physically over your body and emotionally, spiritually, cut off from everybody. And Jesus touches him and hits rewind. And now this guy's completely cleansed. And instead of doing the eighth day, eight day journey of all of the stuff that he was supposed to do ceremonially, he just runs and, and tells everybody, I've been healed. And as a result, the Bible says that Jesus couldn't very, very well get into cities. Because, twofold, because the crowds became enormous. Because like, this guy can heal lepers and he touched one? What? But also because Jesus, from touching a leper, isn't allowed in the city for another seven days. So this guy didn't listen to Jesus. Jesus says, right, he's like, Okay, just, just, just go over, you know, get out of the pool. Just go on over to the, the kale salad party for a sec. Just wait for seven days. Bring you. And he's like, just, just go on. And instead of listening, the guy did another cannonball. He just jumps in. Woo-hoo! Telling everybody. So the question is, why did he not listen? He ran around and testified of his healing. Why, why didn't he listen? Perhaps he reasoned that Jesus actually touched him. And as a result, Jesus would technically had to have done a lot of the same stuff that he was telling this guy to do. Jesus would have had to go outside the city for seven days and do a bunch of sacrifices and all that stuff. So this guy perhaps reasoned, if this guy really wants me (laughs) to do all that stuff, wouldn't he have to go with me? Like, I think he just realized... This is a whole new day, not just for me. This is a whole new day. This is a whole new mode of encountering God. Basically, the rules at the pool just got rewritten. And he was made clean, body, soul, and spirit. I want to say to you this morning, this is our God. Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. This is what God's like. This is, this is the right interpretation of Leviticus 13 and 14. This is the right interpretation. God's heart wasn't, I want you to take out all of, you know, instead of forgiving your dad, I just want you to throw rocks at a leper. Like God was like, I don't want you to take all your issues out on lepers. He's like, there is a, a health standpoint that that was what Leviticus 13 and 14 was about. It wasn't trying to isolate and marginalize those guys. It was trying to protect the whole community while there was this infectious thing that was taking root in their bodies. The righteous interpretation that Jesus brings is, but the real heart of God is, if you come to me, I'm willing, I'm willing to touch you. I'm willing to restore you. I'm willing to cleanse you. I'm willing to heal you. That's the faithful interpretation of the law. I ask the worship team to come. As I was praying for this morning, I felt like the Spirit of God just said that there's some people here today that feel like that leper. Maybe there's some people here with a physical challenge that what the doctors say, what, what's going on, they say, here's some looming permanent thing that is aiming to take you out. 
There may be others here today that feel that you're too unclean for Jesus to touch you. That maybe you wonder if he would be willing to reach toward you, your your mistakes, maybe your private struggle has caused for you to feel completely cut off. No doubt there are people in this room who feel that way today. I guarantee that there are people in your world who feel that way today. Who perhaps couldn't imagine darkening the door of a sanctuary such as this because of the, not because of a lack of a longing to connect with God, but a life experience that has caused for them to believe that, that God, like a rabbi under Old Testament law, is just too good to look their way, let alone touch and be willing to heal. This leper asked Jesus the question, Lord, if you're willing, you could make me clean. That question was asked and answered. Jesus said, I am willing. The question in this room this morning is, are you willing? Are you willing to be completely changed? Are you willing to let Jesus, see one touch from Jesus can change everything, but are you willing to walk in the cleansing that he can bring? Are you willing to leave that leper colony and build a whole new community of life with him? Are you willing to have Jesus change you right down at a cellular level? Because he can. Because he's the same this morning as he's ever been. One touch from Jesus changed everything for that leper. I happen to believe the same is true this morning in this place. One touch from Jesus, one word from God. Reaching out by faith, even a weak and trembling faith like that leper. Lord, I don't, I, I believe you could save me. I just believe you could cleanse me. I, are you willing? I just want to say on the authority of this word this morning, he's willing. You're not too far gone. And he's not powerless. He's filled with compassion and he has the power to reverse and give back even the years that have been devoured in your secret place. He wants to make it right. Thank you for listening to today's message. If you would like more information on who we are, visit our website at lakebound.ca or download our app for your mobile device.